Hosea chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord that came unto Hosea, the son of Beeri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, in the days of Jeroboam, of Joash, king of Israel. The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea, and the Lord said to Hosea, Go take thee unto thee a wife of whoredoms, and children of whoredoms, for the land had committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. And when he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Dinlang, which conceived and bare him a son, and the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel, for yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, and will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. And it shall come to pass that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. And she conceived again and bare a daughter. And God said unto him, Call her name Lo Ramah, for I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away, but I will have mercy upon the house of Judah. And will save them by the Lord their God, and will not save them by bow, nor by sword, nor by battle, by horses, nor by horsemen. Now when she had weaned Lo-Hurama, she conceived and bare a son. Then God said, Call his name Lo-Ami, for ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. All right, let's look at these verses today, and let's bow forward to prayer and get started. Dear God, thank you for your Bible, that we have a chance to study your Bible, to learn your word, to have it be part of our knowledge. May you help us to make this knowledge always part of our lives, and may it be a knowledge that grows in our lives, and may that be true for all people here at church right now, learning your word. For all these things, in Jesus' name, amen. So last time, we began our Bible study on the book of Hosea, potentially launching into a study of all the minor prophets. We'll see if we get that far or not, right? But we started with Hosea, the first in the order, right? To talk about, you know, uh, who is Hosea? Who are these prophets? What did they do? Why did they speak? Why is this important? Why is it in the Bible? That's kind of what we talked about last time, right? Now... We remembered that the, minor, the so-called minor prophets, or you know, other people just call them the twelve, right? The twelve. The minor prophets were not minor because of what they said. It's not important or whatever, right? It's because of their brevity, right? The major prophets are known for writing longer books. It looks like the book of Isaiah, right? Really long book, right? And you compare it <coughs> to some of the shorter ones, like Obadiah, only one chapter, right? That's the difference. It doesn't mean the message is any less significant or any less important. In fact, some of the key Bible principles, pre-key Bible doctrines are all laid out by these minor prophets. Right? The message is just as important. So it was that these prophets spoke in the times of the kings. They spoke in the times of the kings. And they were able to share prophecy, right? The message of God, right? And that's what we kind of talked about last time. Now, if you remember last time, uh, two we- if you remember two weeks ago, Nathan went on and on about the, the topic of this and about the Jewish Bible. We need the Jewish Bible to figure out why the minor prophets are in this order or what's the significance or what's the dates. And my response to that is that, no, we do not need the Jewish Bible. In the interim two weeks, I did not go buy the Jewish Bible or anything. The only Bible you need and I need and anyone needs is this Bible right here, the King James Bible. It has all the answers. You remember last time I threw up this graphic, right? This is the graphic I put up last time, right? Which shows the chronological order of the minor prophets. How did this guy, which I stole from the internet and made this thing, right? How did he figure this out? It's very easy. He read the Bible. And the Bible contains all these 
references to the prophets in the books of Kings and the books of Chronicles. If you're really interested in this, you can come up really close and see, like, oh, for example, Hosea talked about in the book of 2 Kings, uh, chapters 13 to 14, right? That's the cross-reference to where the kings that are mentioned in Hosea are mentioned in the book of Kings. And you can piece this together chronologically by looking at, oh, what kings did they talk about in that book of prophecy? And what, where were the order of the kings from the book of Kings? And what was the order of the kings in the book of Chronicles? So you can actually figure all this out without having to look in the Jewish Bible. You see, God gave us a Bible that's complete. God gave us the Bible with all the answers. He gave us the King James Bible. It has everything in it. We don't need the Jewish Bible or the whatever other Bible. We have the answers right here. And, you know, thanks be to God that there's some dedicated Christians here that did all this work for me. Because I don't know if I have time to sit down and do all this cross-referencing and everything like that. But you can see again the timeline. And so we talk about the timeline, too, about the history. We've got to understand the history when we talk about the minor prophets, right? Remember, before, in the time of David and Solomon, right, there was one kingdom, one kingdom of Israel. Can we study how? I don't know. I think we have studied. I think the Muslim might have spoken about it. We talk about the Book of Kings or whatever, right? Uh, when you study the Book of Kings, you learn that the, the kingdom's fractured, right? There's Israel, the northern kingdom, and Judah, the southern kingdom, right? And eventually, they get conquered by the Assyrian Empire and the Babylonian Empire, right? They're in the captivity. And that's the historical backdrop. The historical backdrop to talking about the book of Hosea, the books of the Minor Prophets. That's the backdrop we have. You see, because their message is pretty unified when we talk about all these different books, right? Even though there's 12 different authors, the message is the same. And probably not last time, right? If you learn nothing else, from all these uh, messages I give on this book, right? If you want to know what the big headline is, the headline is this. What is their message? Their message is simply this. Repent. Repent. You'll hear this a lot, right? When we talk about Hosea, when we talk about any of the prophets, the answer is always the same. What do they talk about? They talk about repenting. Repenting. You have to repent. Turn away from your sin. That's what they're talking about, right? Turn away your sin. Turn to God. Turn to God for salvation, right? message has not changed after all these years. And that's why, as we say last time, we still should study this, right? Even though these are probably the least studied books of all the Bible, right? And a lot of people don't gloss over this big chunk in the middle, right? Say, oh, I don't know what these prophets are talking about or whatever. They still have lots of valuable information because the message still is the same today. We need to repent today, do we not? You see, minor prophets, they contain historical information that's good for us to learn. Prophetic information that tells us about what's important to God and practical information such as the need to repent, to turn away from the sins. That's what we studied last time, last time. All right. Today we read the verses here and we're going to go through what the verses say and what they mean. Basically to talk about Hosea's family, right? Hosea's wife, Hosea's children, his family. And even in the family, there's a lesson to be had. Now, last time, I gave you the assignment, right, to look at verse number two, right? I don't know how many of you guys actually went home and read verse number two and took a minute or two to think about it, right? So verse number two has an interesting and a weird start to the story, right? In verse number two, the Lord said unto Hosea what? You know, his first message, his first instruction. Let's go take unto thee a wife of whoredoms. Let's go marry a whore. Now, you know, that's not like a regular type of instruction, right? And usually God has all these, you know, bold pronouncements telling you about, you know, 
you know, coming Messiah and all these things. Instead, his message is, go marry this person, right? And not just any person, marry this horrible person. I want you to go do that, Hosea. Why would he do that? What is that? How does that make sense? Why are you telling your prophet to go do something like that? Well, he makes the answer in that same verse, right? What does it say here? It says, for the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. So we're going to see this. We're going to see this through this book, through our study here, right? Hosea has to experience firsthand whoredom, right? Has to experience firsthand having the unfaithful wife. Because from God's perspective, from God's perspective, Israel is his unfaithful wife, right? <clears throat> when you study the book of Kings, you see all the time, right? All the stories of, oh, Israel turned away from the Lord. They worshiped idols. They fell into sin. In God's perspective, right? Turning to idols is being unfaithful to him, right? It's turning over to some other God, to someone else. And that's not right. He can't live with that. He can't accept that, right? It feels horrible. He wants Hosea to feel that horribleness. And we're going to see this. He is going to be kind of like the analog to God in the story, right? So you have, you know, in, you know, in the practical sense, it was God and Israel, right? Now in the story, we're going to see Hosea and his wife. Hosea and his wife, Gomer, live out the same type of relationship. So Hosea and Gomer, right? It says Gomer was, sure enough, right? She was a whore. And we're going to go see more stories about this, about how much of a whore she was, right? Now she continued to be one even after they got married, right? You can imagine maybe, maybe Hosea was optimistic. I'll follow God and maybe I'll marry this person. It'll be okay. You know, it was not okay. She fell continually back into sin. What does this tell us about us? Well, I think we know the analog is obvious, right? Just like Israel kept on falling into sin, we today, even though we're supposed to be loyal, faithful, just like a, <coughs> a bride to, to, to Jesus in the church, we know that a lot of us, same thing, we fall into sin. We fall into boredom, if it would be, you know, you would call it that way. So that's his wife. But what about the kids? So they start having kids, right? The first kid is named Jezreel. Jezreel, okay? What does Jezreel mean? So this is the, the added value I'm throwing here, right? Jezreel, if you look into the Hebrew meanings of it, means scatter. Scatter. So what do we know from the history of the Jews? What happened? Uh, what happened? Well, we know what happened. They got, it started off with, right, they were unfaithful, like Gomer. Then what happened next? They got conquered and scattered, right? They got conquered by the Assyrians, by the Babylonians, and all the people got dispersed, right? <clears throat> and Jews were, were set, cap, sent into captivity, and they continue to be in captivity, you know, have their land conquered for, you know, thousands of years, basically, right? For a long, long time. And Jews, as you know today, they're spread out all over the world, right? There are Jews everywhere. They are scattered. Scattered. So the first son, his name means exactly that. So what we're going to see here is that God even puts the prophecy into his family, right? Let's look at the second, <coughs> the second child, right? The second child, daughter, right? What was the daughter's name? 
daughter's name was Lo Ruama. Lo Rama. What does that mean, right? What does that mean? If you, if you study your Hebrew or if you look at this verse a little carefully, you kind of figure out Lo Rama means no mercy. No mercy. Right? What, what kind of name for a kid is that, right? No mercy, right? But let's again look at the history. What happened after they were, Israel was unfaithful? They were scattered. They were conquered. Did God show them mercy? Did God, you know... Give them the way out right away. Answer is no. He took the attitude of, well, you guys were unfaithful. This is what you guys have gotten yourself into. You guys deserve. You guys are conquered people. He let them be a conquered people. There was no mercy for these people. They had to suffer. <coughs> suffer enslavement. <coughs> suffer captivity. Suffer being a conquered people. Suffer the loss of freedom. There was no mercy for Israel. Right? And then finally, finally, we get to the last kid, right? The last kid in verse number nine, right? The last son. And the son was called what? Called Lo Am I. Lo Am I, right? So what does Lo Am I mean? How does this fit in the story? Lo Am I means not my people. Not my people. Again, not a great name for your kids, right? Not my people, right? So they're unfaithful, they're scattered. There was no mercy for them. And it got to the point where what? God says, you are not my people. Right? That's what happened to the Jews. Did it not? Did it not happen that way? That in the end, it was basically as if they turned their back so much from God. God's attitude is, you are not my people. And folks, this is the same thing that that we see illustrated out in even Hosea's family. God instructed him to do this, to go through all these things, right? So that we could have this illustration here today, that we can look at it thousands of years later and all know and understand that, wow, this is the way God works. He works on so many levels, such a deep level, right? A deep level to illustrate this information to us, right? But you think about it. This is like, you know, from the perspective of Hosea, right? This is like a tough thing, right? First, you've got to marry the bad person. And then you have no say in what you name your kids. You know, normally people, you want to name your kids. You know, when, when I name my kids, like a big deal. You got to think a long time about it. What's the name going to be, right? You want to pick a good name. You want to think <clears throat> a name that kids won't get made fun of, right? You want to think a name that's, you know, you know that, that, that sounds good, this and that. No one will name their kid today. I'll name my kid No Mercy. Or name my kid Not My People. You think that's the name that's going to get made fun of on the playground, right? Hey, Not My People, right? In fact, some people speculate that maybe part of the reason why Hosea was encouraged to name the son not my people, maybe it wasn't even his son, right? It doesn't say in the Bible. Maybe it was. It doesn't make, that might make sense when your wife is a daughter of whoredoms and all that stuff, right? But he, named, he, he went through all this stuff, right? That was Hosea. I think it tells us a little bit about the character of Hosea when we, when we look at his family. Right? It tells us the story, right? And we have that. And we're going to look more and more on that story next time. We'll continue on to chapter 2 and so on. But it also tells us about the character of the prophet and why he was chosen as a prophet, right? Remember, I think God chose him to be experienced all this so that when he speaks about repentance, when he speaks about sin, he understands it firsthand. He will know the pain that God's feeling. That's why he's able to go tell other people, hey, we got to stop doing this. This is what we're doing to God. 
We're being unfaithful to God. I know how it feels like when people are unfaithful. I don't like it. Let me share this message with you. I think that's why he had to go through all these things. But I think what it also shows is that Hosea is very obedient, obedient to God, right? It takes a lot of faith, right, to say, yes, God, I'm going to go marry the whore. It takes a lot of faith to say, yes, God, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to name my kids all these crazy names, right? Like scattered, no mercy, not my people, right? He obeyed. No questions asked, right? He was able to go and do it. You know, that's not a common thing. Because these things are things that kind of go against your interest, right? If you had to pick, you would not pick Gomer as your wife, right? That's not the person that's the ideal pick. If you had to pick, you would not pick Lo-Ram as your name. That's not the ideal pick, right? But he did it anyways. Because to Hosea, it was more important to follow God than to pick the thing that's comfortable. And to pick the thing that makes you feel good. And here's the truth. Here's the truth. When we talk about being obedient, when we talk about following God, there are a lot of things that when you boil down to it, aren't the things that are the most comfortable, aren't the things that make you the most happy, aren't the things that are, you know, the easy way. A lot of the Christian life involves struggle. We talked about this before in the past. I've mentioned this before, right? A lot of the Christian life involves struggle, involves things going against our personal self-interest. Look at all the instructions that God has for us, right? God instructs us to be here on Sundays, to be here at church. We know that there's a lot of people, and you know, a lot of people, for example, in our, our middle school, and elementary, maybe even high school, right? A lot of people, the attitude is, yeah, they're here, but if there's something better, they're not going to be here, right? That's kind of their attitude. Oh, church is good, but if there's a birthday party, if I need to work on my school projects, if it's whatever, oh, those are more important. I got to do those things, right? Those are more fun. I got to do those things, right? God, ah, whatever, right? Hopefully not all of us here, we're all adults here, or at least college people. We don't have that attitude anymore, right, when it comes to that. But do we? Is our attitude, hey, we love God as long as it doesn't interfere with my personal life and what I'm doing. Are we going to obey God no matter what? It gets harder and harder when it gets to things that we actually do enjoy and we do care about, right? He gives so many instructions to us, it really is a test of our faith to see if we do obey, Right? I think one of the things that many people struggle with, myself included, right, is when God instructs us to do stuff like tithe, right, give offerings. That's a tough thing. You know, a lot of us, we like money. We like having money. We do a lot of stuff with money, right? You know, this is the stuff, you know, you buy stuff to play with and have fun with. You can go on vacations. You know, this, 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 that, and the other thing, you know. Money is something that everybody here wants. We all have jobs here. We all work for it. It doesn't feel good sometimes to give your money away to someone else, right? We complain all the time now that it's in April, tax season, right? Oh, we complain about all the money. The government took all my money, right, out of my thing. And so I can imagine there's a lot of people who would feel the same way. Oh, I gave all my money to the government. Boy, I sure don't feel like giving any money to God on top of that too, right? You know, Elaine and I were looking at our budget just to... Not that long ago, right? Because we always look at our budget and we say, oh, it seems like we can't ever save any money, right? It's such a hard time saving money. We have all the expenses and kids and all these things, right? It's like we never take, we, you know, where did all our money go? It seems like all the time, right? And then, you know, we look through all the things and what we spend on and everything like this. And then we see like, oh, look at this. We have like a big thing on our, our all the, uh, the ties and offerings we put in all this, all these years, right? Maybe that's, that's part of where some of the money went, right? And we looked at it and say, boy, 
you know? That's a lot of money, right? We could have used that money and gone on a lot of nice vacations or buy a fancy car or do whatever with it, right? And you know, there's a strong temptation to say, hey, you know, that's what would make me feel a lot better, right? You know, we haven't gone on a real vacation in like years, right? I don't think I've been on a vacation that I've missed more than one work day in about four years, right? All my vacations are one day or less, right? We can't afford it, right? Well, I don't have money for this. I got two kids and mortgages and all these things, right? So yeah, one, you know, you could look at it and say, boy, you know, if I just would save all this other money that's going to God right now, I could go on a nice trip. I could go do this, do that, the other thing, right? But you know, it's more important for our family that we obey. We obey, right? Yeah, you could get all the benefit and all the happiness of, you know, living for yourself. But what God wants and what we ought to do is do the way Hosea did it, right? Which is, hey, we're going to act even if it's against our self-interest, right? It's against our self-interest to obey God, to follow God. And that's what it's going to be like. And we're going to see this resonate through a lot also in, when we look at the other examples that come up in the book of Hosea about how the people in Israel basically did that, right? They did that. They decided it's better that I do what I like, right? I'm going to follow the gods I like. I'm going to worship the way I like. I'm going to do the things I like. And that's how they all messed up. And that's why they had to have the warning from Hosea. Hey, you got to turn back. You got to repent. You can't just say, me, me, follow the way I like the things to do it, right? Because if you are, you're being unfaithful, unfaithful to God. In the same way Gomer was unfaithful to Hosea, right? You know, that's what we talk about when we talk about these uh, about these family members right here. It's a representation, basically, right? It's a representation of how God was healing, expressed through the relationship between Hosea and his wife, and expressed through the names of all of the children, right? You have the three names. They were scattered. So Israel, we'll find out, was scattered. They were, they were, had no mercy from God. They suffered. And they're treated as not his people. We'll see next time, and I think we already know the answer, next time is thankfully for all of us, that message does not continue to today, right? Today, God's people are not always scattered and uh, not shown mercy. But we'll look at that when we finish up chapter 1, start chapter 2. That'll be next time. Unfortunately, according to the schedule, next time is not going to be for a couple months maybe. So we don't have a big assignment uh, uh, for next time. But here's what we're going to do. Next time, I want you to do this. Read chapter 2, although we won't study all of chapter 2. Finish chapter 1, read chapter 2, and try to do this. Here's your goal. Because I won't speak for many months on this topic for a while, see if you can remember the three name meanings. Do you know what Jezreel means? Do you know what Lo Roman means? Do you know what Lo Amai means? Because we're going to talk about it again next time, right? So that's the test. The test is can you remember the three names? All right, let's bow forward a prayer and finish up here before we go on to the second half. Dear God, thank you for the book of Hosea. We see all the layers to it, how your message comes through, even down to the family relationships, the names. Boy, it's, you know, you know it's really uh, intricate how you've laid out your, your message. 
to the people of Israel and the message to us too. And the message is still the same today that we ought to repent, right? Turn away from sin. And of course, also to obey. Wow, we see Hosea, what an obedient servant he was, right? He did things that I don't think any of us here would voluntarily choose to do. If you came to me today and say, boy, go out there and uh, marry that uh, the gomer, the whore, right? I would, my, I would probably say no. Probably 99% of people would say no. We don't want to live that life. That's an unhappy life. But, you know, your servant Hosea, he did it. And we're thankful for that, that he was able to become, do that and become a more effective messenger for you to share your, your message of uh, repentance, Lord. So, again, we thank you for this day to study your word. We thank you for this time. And we ask you to just continue to bless us as we remember the uh, product, uh, the important thing of repentance, Jesus Christ, right? Our way through repentance and his, uh, his uh, crucifixion and his resurrection. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.